You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Thank you for listening to Historical Blindness, the Odd Past podcast. I'm Nathaniel Lloyd, your host. You found the debut of a new interstitial series, Blind Spots. The principal installments of the Historical Blindness podcast require quite a bit of work on my part, including research, composition, formatting each blog post, and recording, editing, and mixing the audio episodes, all of which I have to find time to do myself. As such, the podcast has settled into an already somewhat hectic monthly release schedule. I understand, however, as a podcast aficionado myself, that listeners like to find new episodes of their favorite podcasts show up in their feeds far more frequently than this. Therefore, in an effort to please existing fans and perhaps find a wider audience, I am now endeavoring to fill the barren time span between the primary episodes of the show with these shorter blind spots, in which I intend to further explore the most recent story I covered or briefly relate a somewhat peripheral story. With this purpose in mind, recall our last episode, which opened the mysterious Voynich manuscript for your perusal. Wilfred Voynich's manuscript is not, however, alone in its inscrutability and mystique. Consider another mysterious antiquarian manuscript, unreadable and resistant to all attempts at translation or decipherment since it turned up nearly 200 years ago. This mysterious tome, the Codex of Rohans. All his life, Gustav Batiani had lived in England as a count, breeding racehorses and enjoying a life of wealth and leisure. Nevertheless, his heritage as a Hungarian nobleman was an important part of his identity. And when his homeland erupted in revolution, one of many across Europe during the tumultuous year of 1848, sometimes called the Spring of Nations or the Springtime of the Peoples, Batiani proved his devotion to Hungary more than mere lip service, acting on behalf of Magyar nationalists in a constitutional ministry during a time when his family member, Lajos Batiani, became the first Hungarian prime minister. While Lajos was executed by firing squad a year later, Gustav survived his involvement in the political upheaval and lived out his years in comfort in his English home, enjoying fine food, drink, and horse races until the day his heart gave out in 1883. Today, what Batiani is more often remembered for is his part in bringing the so-called Rohans Codex to light. In 1838, he donated an extensive library from Rohans, a village in Bergenland, where his family owned much land, to the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. Some records seem to indicate that the Codex of Rohans was at the library as far back as 1743, when it was identified in catalogs as a prayer book, despite the fact that it couldn't have been read to determine such a thing. 
Agents of the Academy very quickly observed that the book was an item of interest. Leather-bound and 448 pages, the manuscript contained a variety of antiquarian-seeming religious illustrations and much writing of an unrecognizable character. Moreover, there appeared to be a watermark of an anchor with a star that led one scholar to eventually conclude the paper originated from 16th century Italy. One of the agents of the Academy of Sciences believed, upon first laying eyes on it, that the script resembled runic Hungarian and thus correlated well with another recent find, the Wooden Book of Turok, which was making news in that it seemed to hint at a grander Hungarian history than was contemporaneously known. If the Rohans Codex also proved to be an important relic of Hungary's past, it would be a major find. Thus the earnest study of the Rohans Codex began. The book was found to contain much Christian iconography, but additionally, some illustrations depicting astronomical symbols, such as stars, suns, and crescent moons, have hinted at pagan or even Islamic iconography, which some have theorized indicates the book comes from an unusually cosmopolitan society, or originates from a syncretistic religious tradition. And the system of writing turned out to be no less mystifying than the illustrations. While some characters appear rune-like, as first surmised, others seem rounded and not runic at all. Various linguists have thought the script to be Greek, Cyrillic, or even an alphabet originating from an obscure ancient region of the Roman era called Dacia. One subsequently criticized theorist claimed to recognize the writing as Indian Brahmic and hazarded a subsequently discredited translation. Moreover, the number of distinct characters alone made translation impossible, as there appear to be at least 200 graphemes, suggesting that rather than a code or language, it may be written using a syllabary, which provides characters not for letters, but for combinations of letters into sounds and syllables. Scholars continued their studies of the Codex for years, certain that if they could decipher the text, the manuscript would offer some historical insights heretofore undiscovered, or at least that it would prove to be an artifact of some worth. Then, in 1866, it was revealed that the wooden book of Turok, with which the Rohans Codex had been so favorably compared, was in fact a forgery, perpetrated by one Samuel Literati Nemes. A Hungarian antiquarian of some renown universally respected as the discoverer of the Massmen tablets, which at the time were the sole surviving Roman writing tablets known to be in existence, Nemes sold rare old books, coins, and artwork to Hungarian aristocrats out of his old curiosity shop beneath the towering skeleton of a mammoth. The revelation that Nemes, a Hungarian nationalist, had forged the wooden book of Turok and other items in an effort to provide some impressive monuments of Hungarian history shocked many. And this scandal stained the reputation of the Rohans Codex, as many scholars then studying the manuscript dismissed it as another forgery by the Hungarian hoaxer. What really happened on the unsinkable Titanic? What made the 1904 St. Louis Marathon the strangest event in Olympic history? Whatever became of missing boy Bobby Dunbar? And who was the child who returned in his place? 
If these questions interest you, check out the History Uncovered podcast, brought to you by the digital publisher of All That's Interesting. History Uncovered explores the strange and obscure parts of history that you definitely didn't learn about in school. Hosted by the writers and editors of All That's Interesting, the show covers a wide variety of topics, ranging from the forgotten media spectacle of cave explorer Floyd Collins' death, to the disappearance and possible cannibalization of Michael Rockefeller, to the true story that inspired The Exorcist. With more than 100 episodes, you're bound to find that they've covered a topic that's especially interesting to you. And each month, they produce a special History Happy Hour episode, examining recent news in the fields of world history and archaeology, and commemorating important historical anniversaries. Come explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past by listening to History Uncovered, wherever you get your podcasts. Since that time, however, academic interest in the Codex has again resurged. One scholar working on translating the Codex, Benedict Lang, is convinced that it is no forgery. He argues that it is not mentioned in any of Nemesis' papers, as his other forgeries are. It doesn't conform to the format and presentation of his other forgeries, which were all clearly intended to be taken as Old Hungarian, and it is far longer than his other forgeries, indeed longer even than might have been necessary to fool Nemesis' patrons. Lang also takes issue with the idea that the Rohans Codex is a Nemes forgery based on the fact that the usual motivation isn't there. Forgeries, he says, are usually perpetrated to make money, to manipulate the historical view of the past, or to play a practical joke, but the Rohans Codex, its content indecipherable and therefore not useful in rewriting history or otherwise pranking readers or swindling buyers, seems to have been written for intellectual purposes, which doesn't correspond with Nemesis' modus operandi. In his own studies, Benedict Lang has come to the conclusion that there is some authentic meaning in the text, but rather than an unrecognized ancient language, he theorizes that it must be quote, a cipher, a shorthand system, or an artificial language, end quote. Yet still, the Rohans Codex remains, at least for now, a mystery. Moreover, researching the scholarship on the manuscript is made extraordinarily difficult for anyone who doesn't speak Hungarian or have access to a library of works written in that language. Aside from a couple of sources I've linked in the body of the blog entry, most of the information available online is published on websites like Historic Mysteries and blogs like Passing Strangeness and the Codex from Rohan's Project. And most of these seem to have taken much of their information from the Wikipedia entry or from obscure books like Nemethi Kalman's 1892 Rohansi Codex Tantetel, which apparently is not available online. Thus, all we have, at least until some major breakthrough becomes public, are the much-repeated details that have long been known, as well as, of course, our speculations. And this is commonplace when browsing through history and peering into the darkness of its blind spots. Thanks for listening to Historical Blindness, the Odd Past podcast. 
Some of the music featured on this mini-sode was provided by Sean Duncan from his former project, Seanario. Find this artist on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Bandcamp. We'll have a full-length episode for you hopefully within a couple weeks, so subscribe if you haven't already. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where my username is at historicalblind. If you enjoy the show and are fascinated by historical hoaxes, check out my novel, Manuscript Found, on Amazon, available in paperback and on the Kindle for a meager sum. The first of a trilogy that is mostly complete, this volume is a gripping yarn about one of the grandest hoaxes ever perpetrated, the beginning of the Mormon Church. Thanks for listening. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story, its unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.